So this video, Elon posted this video on his Twitter, Elon Musk, uh, this video of the new Cybertruck pulling an F-150 up a hill. It, it, it drove everybody crazy. Everyone's all fired up. Well, they're all upset. Uh, and it's from different communities. Obviously, Ford people, they're upset. And then you have the scientific community is also upset. They say, what kind of a 13 million views on that video? We talked about this video. And I was skeptical when I first saw the video. I was man, there's probably more to this story. Mm -hmm. Something going on here. And then the conversation became about torque. And people say, well, you know, torquey. Like electric torquey vehicles and all this. But then, like I said, the scientific community, you had Neil deGrasse Tyson in the thread on Twitter. And what did, what did Neil say? I scrolled up a little more. He said, but if the Ford F-150 is rear-wheel drive with no payload, then weight on the rear axle is greatly reduced, offering only mild traction for the Tesla to overcome. This contest is more about the physics of friction than engine power. Okay, and he's not alone. So there's a video that's gone fairly viral. Tesla's Cybertruck tug-of-war stunt was pointless from Engineering Explained. How about that? An engineering channel on YouTube with 2.44 million subscribers. I hope you're subscribed, Willie Do. You're one of these 2.4 2 million people. Mm. He's got a whiteboard, so you know that he's telling the truth. And he goes into something similar to what Neil deGrasse said relating to weight on the axle of the vehicle. Now, the Tesla people, for their part, they say, well, I don't care if it's a two-wheel drive F-150. Because Elon's entry-level Cybertruck is going to be around the same price. So that's the fair comparison. Hmm. But I think the reason that the science world is a bit upset is because they feel like the interpretation, what people take away from the video, is, going, is not going to be accurate that people are going to say, oh, it's about engine power or motor power in the electric vehicle case, instead of recognizing the many aspects that go into why or why not one vehicle gets pulled over the other. Mm -hmm. that, there's, that, there's, that there's a bigger traction component, and the traction component has more to do with weight. So what the engineering video points out is the fact that when you have a two-wheel drive vehicle, in the case of the F-150, you've only got a certain portion of that weight over the rear axle where you have the potential for traction. Hmm. And then you likely also have a lighter vehicle in general. He's speculating in his video that the Cybertruck might be around 6,000 pounds. And when you adjust for the rear axle portion of the F-150, you might only be looking at 2,000 pounds. So what you're looking at, Will, is a sumo wrestler tugging with a 150-pound guy. You just can't displace. You got more, more or less kind of thing. So, but here's the key. Here's the key. Well, first of all, everybody relax is a usual thing. I mean, this is not the thing to really be angry about. It's two trucks with a rope in between the two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you could, you could have some breakfast and you know, pour a hot cup of coffee yeah. this is just two two trucks pulling mm -hmm. you 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 read a book you go click around the internet you click around youtube you yeah. go to the later clips channel you watch a couple clips mm -hmm. yeah 
No need to be too angry. But the key, the more I look at it, I realize, I feel like, first of all, Elon Musk, he's a smart guy. I feel like the whole thing is an intentional troll. He's loving it right now. I think the whole thing is an intentional troll. I think the, the response, the Neil deGrasse response, this guy's response, it's like our previous conversation the other day. It, just if it aggravates you, if it tingles you a little bit, good. Mm -hmm. Any reaction here is great. And the reason I feel this way is because of the caption. The caption doesn't say Cybertruck destroys F-150. It doesn't say Cybertruck tug of war F-150. It says Cybertruck pulls F-150 up a hill. Yeah. The more you know. It's all it says. <laughs> FYI. But everyone read it the way they wanted to read it, like it was meaningful. He's just saying this is just a video of a, of a Cybertruck pulling an F-150 up a hill. 13.7 million views. That's it. Now, Cybertruck people, they get to take it the way they want to take it. Even if they misinterpret the video, they get to say, Cybertruck. Cybertruck demolishes F-150 and send it to all our F-150 buddies. Yeah. And F-150 guys get to go watch Engineering Explained get his 2 million views. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is, it's millions of views on both sides. Over yeah. again. Like our previous discussion. So no, it doesn't tell you very much. There's a lot that goes into this thing, as Neil deGrasse points out. So don't take too much from the video. But the other interesting component here is that after the video went out, uh, an individual from Ford went ahead and made a challenge. Hmm. He put a challenge out there. He said, bring it on. No, not bring it on. Elon said, bring it on. He said, send us a Cybertruck and we will do the apples to apples test for you. So... There was a challenge put out. This is the VP of Ford X is the individual who put the challenge out. And but then they went and took took the challenge back. Oh. Sonny's tweet was tongue in cheek to point out the absurdity of Tesla's video. Sonny's the guy that works for Ford. Nothing more, a Ford, a Ford spokesperson said in an email to TechCrunch. With America's best-selling truck for 42 years, we've always focused on serving our truck customers regardless of what others say or do. We look forward to our all-new F-150 hybrid coming next year and an all-electric F-150 in a few years. So for now, there is no official challenge on the table, and they're kind of chilling out a little bit. Now, I don't really know why that is. But the way they reference the F-150 hybrid coming and then talk about their electric model, maybe they want to just put off that showdown a little further down the road. Mm. But as we said, there's limited functionality to these types of tests in the real world anyhow, and they're just fun entertainment for us to talk about, for people to argue about, to tweet about, to post videos about. Yeah. That's how it works. That's how it goes. Now, in that same... In that same line of thinking, we got a funny one here. Lego wants to get in on the action, Will. Mm. Lego wants to get in on the Cybertruck action. A lot of people sent this one to me. They have their very own Cybertruck. It's a brick mobile. And they guarantee that their truck is shatterproof. The evolution of the truck is here, guaranteed shatter shatterproof. It is a single Lego brick, the long the longer Lego brick. 
with some uh, wheels on it. And they're just having a laugh. Yeah, they're having fun with it. They're just having a time. That's all that is. It's no, no hard feelings. They're jumping onto the thing, as we mentioned before. Lego having a bit of fun. It's kind of basic. They could have done better, no? Could they not have put a couple triangles on the top? They could have, yeah. Wouldn't it would have been bigger. Wouldn't that have been funny? Yeah. Make it look like... Like a Cybertruck. Cybertruck. Maybe there's a reason they didn't. They wanted it to be really boxy, even lower polygon. Yes. No polygon. Count. Uh, but if you scroll down a little bit further in this article, you'll see an individual actually uh, built their very own custom Lego Cybertruck. This guy is some kind of expert, Peter Blackert, and he recreated mm. and he posted it on Flickr. How about that? Talk I about heard cyber. That name in a while. Talk about cyberspace. Uh. Talk about MySpace. Hmm. GeoCities. Yeah, talk about GeoCities. So he did this obviously using pieces he had lying around, which is pretty impressive. That's not an official kit. And he's got Elon in front of it as well in the black outfit. And he's got the cyber quad in the back. Mm -hmm. So that's a much cooler. And who knows? Maybe they squash the, the beef or they have a laugh together, Lego and Tesla. They work it out. And then you've got your very own official Lego Cybertruck that the kids can buy. And imagine owning their own one day. Wouldn't that be nice, Will? Mm -hmm. Now, the last one on the Cybertruck for us, I had to do a shout-out on this because we asked for it, if you recall, Will, yeah. during a previous episode. I was going on, I was doing the ranting and the raving, as you would. Yes. And I was talking about how the Cybertruck in cyber environments desolate landscapes and industrial zones looks very cool mm -hmm. on the moon very cool uh in blade runner or cyberpunk 2077 very cool it looks really good by itself by itself you know but then you and i we had a conversation what happens when it butts up against all the other vehicles of the world and what they look like. And so we put out the challenge to the audience to go and do some quick photoshops, a couple of shops, and to place the Cybertruck in gridlock traffic. Now, I suggested the DVP because that's the local gridlock around here. Yeah, gives you perspective. Yeah, yeah but uh, some individuals have submitted some pretty cool photoshops here of a cyber truck in traffic so we of course have to give a shout out these ones come from pat johnson and he has four options for us which will is going to showcase there is your cyber truck i believe that's a highway on ramp <laughs> <laughs> gridlock traffic but it's perfect because you have the white work vans you yes. have your typical sedans you have a subcompact you have the, the the general and you're laughing about it look how big it is compared to the little car here yeah but an f-150 would be similar look at the look at the van on the work van on the left <laughs> it yeah, does look so it looks so strange up against oh yeah up against regular vehicles let's move on to the next one here here you have a, a sort of more artistic shot you're standing in the middle of the road on the what are those called what are the lines in the middle of the road called why do i why am i forgetting this right now divider lines dividers nope they're called ha hash 
minds? No. Wow. This is a thing you see every day, and yet a single broken line. They're just called lines? That's rude. They must have a better name than that. Oh, we're, are we fully into the... Are we in rabbit hole territory here? Are we dead? Is this show over? Are we stuck on this? Yellow line. There's no word for that beyond yellow line? Someone's going to tell us in the comments. Of course, we've got to move on. I, I feel like there's a there must be some sort of slang or yeah, well. acceptable term. This one, by the way, is two lines in the center of the road. And you're standing there and you're looking beyond what looks like a Volvo station wagon. Maybe. Could be something else. And behind it is this ominous little eyeball poking out. Mm. Cyber truck light. And you see the tires ex extending past the... And I feel like... It still looks out of place, but from this vi from this visual, it's a bit more acceptable. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Will? Yes. We can accept it here, but it still looks big. It still looks ominous. We move on to the next one. So this is way up in the sky, and it looks strange again. It, it, it looks like a stealth bomber on wheels next to some typical vehicles. It's a quick Photoshop. <laughs> it's funny. You have to kind of skew it to match whatever this is, a helicopter photo or something right. like that. I think you're going to get used to it. You're going to get used to it over time, but certainly from the get-go, it's going to be strange. And I think we have one more, a complete overhead. Here it's, here it's nothing. Here you can accept it. If you're right directly above it, mm -hmm. looks like any other vehicle. looks like a truck. It's fine. So shout out to Pat Johnson for hitting us with those renders. The world now has a cyber truck in traffic reference point. So if you're one of these cyber truck pre 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 orderers with the hundred bucks on the line, you can imagine yourself sitting in this cyber truck in this gridlock traffic, getting all kinds of eyeballs because your vehicle looks nothing like the others. Samsung is apparently going to abandon. The ultrasonic fingerprint sensor. Well, it's a rumor for the time being. Of course, you remember the scandal mm -hmm. that happened recently. Uh, they had to issue a massive update. People were able to crack into devices that featured the ultrasonic fingerprint scanner. And it depended. It, there was a screen protector component where an individual who had a cheap screen protector registered the fingerprint with the screen protector on. So the ultrasonic registered the screen protector imprint rather than the thumb itself. And so that therefore anyone who touched the screen protector afterwards could unlock the device. And so people were kind of skeptical of Samsung questioning the ultrasonic technology, which by the way comes from Qualcomm. And so this rumor emerges, emerges here via gizchina.com and suggests that the South Korean manufacturer is ready to review the ultrasonic scanner and possibly just move towards a less advanced or at least a, a more typical optical-based in-display fingerprint scanner. 
Now, Qualcomm, for their part, they're not fully backing off because they feel like they've got a superior technology here in the form of ultrasonic. And so they suggest, hey, we're going to go and refine the technology and make it more secure. We're going to do a V2 alongside our Snapdragon 865, which there's a December announcement for that. So <clears throat> it's not certain that Samsung's going to move in this direction, but the bad press... And the fact that they're the they're the one standout. Almost mm -hmm. everybody seems to be okay with the with the optical going for it. It would make sense for them to to sort of back off at this point, unless Qualcomm can show off some some major reason as to why that shouldn't take place. I could totally see them moving towards the more traditional scanner. And I'll t I'll say in my personal experience, and I know when it when it was originally happening, there were a lot of Samsung people that were saying, oh. Lou, you're you're doing it wrong. It's a quick tap. It's not a full press. It's a which of course you shouldn't really have to explain. The the technology should be user friendly. And it did get better over time, but I never saw massive any kind of massive advantage in a practical sense to having the ultrasonic versus the optical. I I was more like this guy. <laughs> I had some missed press. Look at that. Oh, there it is. So this is this is Will showcasing the case being able to crack into the device when the fingerprint is registered through the case. Now they're using a clear case, but obviously the 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 real application, the real place that this hack came through was with screen protectors, mm -hmm. particularly the cheap gel style couple dollar screen protectors that pop the whole thing off. So. Anyway, Galaxy S11, we showed off some renders of what that device might look like. Of course, no indication in those renders of what the in-display fingerprint scanner is going to be. But chances are th that they may move away from ultrasonic and towards an optical-based fingerprint scanner. Tim Cook was recently having a chat, a fireside chat. Have you ever, have you ever had one of those, Will? Uh-huh. No, a I chat, don't think so. A, a chat by... Although a, a lot of startups do that. They love it. Yeah. Fireside. Yeah. There's no fire. No. Um, it's supposed to just have the same kind of vibe. Yes. As if there were a fire that you were sitting beside. Yeah, very mellow. In order for it to Relax. be a fireside. Can we get a quick definition on fireside chat? define fireside chat is there oh an informal conversation it's it look how old it is mm. dating back to 1933 the fireside chats were a series of evening radio addresses given by u.s president franklin d roosevelt well you were probably sitting beside a fire in 1933 you probably had a fireplace heating your home something like that yeah so the startups love it they keep doing it even without the fire. And, and Tim Cook was recently having a conversation with Mark Benioff uh, about how Apple and Salesforce, Salesforce can together ignite productivity. But there's an interesting tidbit that made its way onto my news feed, which was, in, which was relating to Tim Cook's instruction around Android devices. More importantly, what he does with Android phones. Throw them in the fire? You're not far off. Now, of course, it was he was having a little bit of fun himself during this conversation, this presentation conversation. He said that 
if you bring if you bring an Android device to Apple, they can recycle it for you. Mm. <laughs> because of the environmental component. He can't throw it in the fire at the right. fireside chat. Instead, he can he can yeah. recycle it for you. Mm -hmm. Turn it into an iPhone, probably. Melt yep. it down. Turn it into the right phone. Now, of course, he was just making a joke, but Android people can't be too happy about it. Of course, there's plenty of other uses for an Android device, Will, besides hitting the recycling pile. And I have to be honest, as much as I like the fun in games, there's people in the audience with those phones. Yes. Do you think uh, they got defensive about yeah, it? Yeah, I think they were upset. Yeah. I think they had trouble sleeping that night, mm. sitting there, knowing that powerful guy like Tim Cook yeah. told them. Their phones belong in a recycling bin. Yeah. They went home and tossed them straight in. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's uh, You'll see CEOs, obviously Elon Musk being an example, who he kind of toys around in this space of poking fun, but at the same time being congratulatory. Yes. So the other day when Ford did the Mustang Mach-E, he said, congratulations. I'm glad to see we're moving forward electric electrification mm -hmm. of the automotive sector and then he does the tug of war and yeah. he says just pull in an f-150 there's a way to do it without being so direct i guess there's an art to the trolling as opposed like if you have to be this direct then maybe you missed the point of the fun a little bit mm -hmm. if you just say uh recycle the thing but i'm sure he was just having fun so what what you can't really hold it against him and uh as far as the presentation went he he put a big emphasis on privacy and security, the thing that Apple's been doing recently with the ads on TV and the locks and the rest of it. Privacy is very important to us. We view privacy as a fundamental human right. You've heard Tim Cook say it before, and he's going to keep saying it. We double down on that many, many times. So obviously customers uh, like that. And if he has his way, then they'll be those potential customers will be selecting an iPhone in the future. Mm-hmm because of those aspects. So anyway, Tim's out there. He's doing what a CEO does, selling iPhones. Mm -hmm. We have a new development in Android, something called Assistant Ambient Mode. And it looks kind of cool. It's taken some inspiration from some of the smart home devices, like the Nest Hub and these things that have these this sort of ambient dashboard at a glance type of yep. information and it continues this progression towards more passive interaction with your devices and with software and with tech in general i know uh, originally all the way back with like google now when all of a sudden you started seeing things pop up like your flight information and Suggest, suggesting alternate routes, kind of predicting what you wanted to do before you knew you wanted. Some people find that to be creepy. Mm -hmm. But the goal of it is to alleviate some of the mental bandwidth with having to initiate so many of our daily tasks that take place on, a, on our smart devices. So this is another step within that progression of tr trying to provide you with... with value without the need for you for you to be doing as much of the driving so you get this dashboard which is gonna aim to just 
kind of give you at a glance the most important things that are going to happen in the immediate future. Mm -hmm. Things like you probably want to set an alarm at this point or you can see on, on your example there, good evening, you have one missed call from Kathy and then your your next important appointment and your notifications and it can all live in one place on one dash and then there's some quick toggles for things for frequently used settings like do not disturb, turn off the lights, thermostat. Hmm. It's going to guess what's important for you but it's going to be within context of how you use your device. Your habits. If yeah. your habits. So it's kind of interesting. And Google, like I said, has been has been pushing towards this for a while. You combine it with all the various other assistants and just how much Google's leaning into assistant. And you kind of you, you kind of start to see the picture as a whole. And you start to imagine, Will, a future in which these devices predict all the things we want to do before we do them. Mm-hmm. Where they're automatically replying to text messages because they know how, they know what you want to answer, where it can all be preemptive computing. Oh God! You do nothing, Will. You just sit there and it just takes care of everything. Yeah, that's right. On a floating chair, just a rotting meat sack. It's what hey. we all. It's all. We, what, <laughs> it's what we all strive for, isn't it? Rotting. So, that's right. Similar to Smart Display and the Pixel Stand UI. By the way, I should mention the Pixel kind of does this when it's on the wireless charger, the official one. It kind of has a its own UI that looks similar to this. There are two parts to Assistant Ambient Mode. The first is a lock screen that shows the time in large numerals or a Google Photos slideshow. Tapping through shows a more interactive, interactive experience. That's the one that I'm talking about that's more interesting to me. That can include commute time, missed calls, calendar events, weather, travel plans, and, and so on. It's a way of eliminating some taps from your life, which could be good. I don't know. I'm tapping away. Maybe I'm tapping too much. It's a lot of taps. Mm-hmm. Tapping in, tapping out. You can imagine, Will, when our smartphones are less app-driven in general, we are going in and out of apps. Mm-hmm. And instead... It's more of like a fluid fluid motion. dashboard that's just pulling things in from different apps yeah i I'm mean sure. you use uh, google news and that's yes. kind of like an aggregator for all different sites you're saying an aggregator for your smartphone as a whole yeah an aggregator for your, for your os yeah that's pretty cool yeah. anyway this is an early step but you can try it out you can try it out on a couple devices right now it'll be more soon You showed me this next one. My goodness gracious. A Lamborghini concept looks like a cooler Batmobile. This is not, I should say, this is not a real thing that you can buy. But if you could, man, that would cost, like, that would cost a couple of dollars. Mm -hmm. If you could. Instead, it's a physical manifestation of a video game vehicle, right? It's going to show up in Gran Turismo. Am I correct about this, Will? You sent this one to me. Yes. They usually do it, like, um, I think every year they have, like, a concept vehicle. And they partnered up with Lamborghini this year to make this crazy... It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Vehicle here. If the Cybertruck is one level of insane, this is... Well, this is 100 levels of insane. Hmm. This thing... And they're right. It really makes you feel Batmobile vibes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bruce Wayne vibes. But yes, it is going to be in the game Gran Turismo Championships. 
World Finals, ahead of the World Finals of the 2019 FIA Certified Gran Turismo Championships in Monte Carlo, Monaco. Monaco. You know that's where, if you're into cars, Will, you go to Monte Carlo in Monaco. Yeah, they have the famous racetrack. Yeah, that's where you go. Yeah. And you and you, you're on a the patio overlooking the racetrack, and and yeah. you have. Uh, the sunglasses that are the same as they would have worn in the French Riviera in, in 1958. Three-piece suit. There's a suit you know. involved, and you, and you have a, With the, a small cup of coffee, let's be honest. European. Yes. Ceviche. You flew in on Swiss Air. Oh, yeah. First class. So... I keep the the slippers. If you did all that, then you get to experience this particular car right here. Uh, Amazing. Now it is getting comparisons actually to the Cybertruck because they say that this is based on a Cyan or Cyan FKP thirty seven. The powertrain, at least, is based on that, and that's a twelve cylinder engine with an electric motor producing more than eight hundred horsepower capable of going 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Well, that's a thing that looks like it goes 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. But of course, Tesla with the Cybertruck, they were touting 2.9 seconds, 0 to 60 on the tri-motor version. So everything's getting crazy in the world of cars these days because these electric vehicles are just shattering numbers even though the Cybertruck doesn't... This thing looks like... That thing looks fast. It's not even about looking fast anymore. It's just about being, it doesn't have to look fast to be fast anymore. Yeah. But I mean, not that 2.8 seconds, 0 to 60 is not fast. I'm just saying if a, if a 6,000 pound cyber truck is going to eventually do it, it just changes your perspective. A little it does, bit. yeah. Also, that model, that same model, the FKP37 that that thing is based on, you want to know the price of that, Will? Yeah, three point six million dollars. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Top top of the top of the food chain, Cybertruck, seventy six thousand. So, it's crazy stuff going on. I would still take that thing. If look at that, look at the thing. This thing. Well, that thing or the Batmobile thing, either of those things. Yeah. If we're talking about fiction, because obviously major sci-fi inspiration on the Tesla front. If we're talking about fiction. This thing has fiction written all over it. That's a comic book waiting to happen. That's how you would draw it for the comic book if you didn't have to worry about actually manufacturing mm -hmm. it. That's how you would... I think you drew that before, Will. Oh, yeah, I did. You probably sent that over to them. Crayon. U.S. police are already using Spot, the robot from Boston Dynamics, in the real world, and people are stressing out. A lot of people also sent this particular story to me. People are stressing out because, you know, those robots don't have feelings, Will. They don't care about you when you're when you're held up. No, they're dancing on my grave. Remember? Yeah, they already did it in the past. When you're inside your apartment and the authorities are out front, they're like... Right? Yeah. You know there's human beings there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can reason with these guys. I come out, I say, you got the wrong guy. I'm Willie Do. It's actually, you got to be... You gotta no, take they got the right guy. Well, you guys send them three doors down wherever the real issue happens to be. But all of a sudden, 
You peek out the window, you see these guys? Oh, they oh, don't have no feelings for you, Willie do. They got no feelings for you. And so people are, are uh, being critical. Apparently the whole thing has happened relatively in secret. The original deal that was done said that they couldn't be posting photos or publicizing the fact that as, the, that, that as a police department, they were some of the first to get these things. But it seems obvious to me, as, as much as it is worrisome to have these guys walking around. I mean, these ones aren't loaded with weapons or anything. But for law enforcement, they use dogs like this a lot, right? To be the first to go in yeah. dangerous situations. This thing is called spot. No dogs got to get shot up. This thing can open doors. Kind of makes sense. You're a dog lover, Will. Yeah. Send, send spot. Save Otis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know what's creepy about this little video you're showing is the guy in the back there. Not the guy Where? opening, not the spot opening the door. The other spot who just has the, whatever sensor is on his head, the 360 cam or what. He sees everything, tells the other spot what to do. Yeah, he's got like x-ray or something. Yeah, he's a scary one at the back there. He's the enforcer. Anyway, apparently Boston Dynamics is trying to get away from the scary interpretation that people have of these things. The dystopian future in which these guys roam the earth and police the world and whatnot which is why they put out the video they that they put out the promo where spots doing useful things for humans and he's yellow so i know how boston dynamics can solve this problem of the bad marketing all they have to do is send us one and mm -hmm. we'll show off how friendly spot actually is in the studio we'll, we'll have spot chasing a ball around with otis and yeah. then all their the, the pr problems are gone it's that exactly. simple. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. So, Boston Dynamics, I know you heard that. We are not state police. No, we're not going to mount anything dangerous on it at all. So. Well, I won't. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> oh, by the way, that is a 360-degree video camera, that capability oh, okay. right there. Right. Plenty of other sensors, too. Spot has a max speed of 3 miles per hour and a max payload of 30 pounds. So, these are not controlled right now. Like... This uh, demo here? Yeah. This is legit AI. They're, I found a door. They're living, they're living spot life, oh. man. They're oh. looking around. That's so freaky. Did you just shiver, Will? I sure did. That's it's, them dancing uh, on your man. grave. That's what that oh. shiver was. All right, you guys are amped for this. You're pumped for this. Half-Life. How do we pronounce that? Is it Alex or Alex? I believe Anybody it's know? Alex. Half-Life. VR. Oh. <laughs> there's that. There's that. They came right on time, the alarm. Kirk was right. Half-Light. Half-Life. You didn't play this, <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, I haven't played it. I haven't played it. Okay, but I watched a trailer. Yes. 10 million views in 24 hours. So it's like over 12 million views now. Tremendous number of views on this thing. And a lot of people are saying, well, there's this, this article. It seemed like a good article I read here. RoadToVR.com. And they're saying this is a really important title, not just because it's a new Half-Life game, but because it's launching specifically on VR. 
and therefore it can be this kind of flagship for VR. It can push VR through because, you know, the adoption in the mainstream, it just wasn't really there, was it, for VR? No. It's always been just around the corner. It's always been just this few steps away. And you had cool games. You had the Beat Saber. I, yeah. I've done it. I'm slicing. I'm dicing the music. Mm -hmm. But oh. it just wasn't that. It wasn't that high-profile title to get people fired up, to get people to buy hardware as well. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. You need. It's the two. And and you know what else is crazy is all it takes is one. If you think about the releases of different consoles over the years. They had to have that one title yeah. to push people to go out and buy the new hardware. The Halos with the Xbox. You had to have the original Halo. God of War for PS, you know, PlayStation. They go hand in hand. You need the software with the hardware. And it, I presume it's difficult to program because Kirk was mentioning earlier, a lot of the VR experiences are not full comprehensive games. No. So I would imagine that programming a game like this could be a really tough task and a risky one because you're sitting there thinking to yourself should we have just been making a regular version of this game people are waiting around for half-life we know we got buyers should we be risking it as a vr only game so here we are years after vr tech has been sitting there and maturing and now we might finally have that critical moment take place yeah and the interest is evidence of that with the 10 million views in a 24-hour period when this article was written it was up to 12.4 million views and they're saying that on its own basically makes this the biggest thing in vr history that's the indication here mm -hmm. now i wasn't a half-life player myself you were or kirk was i was you I were yeah so you can speak a little bit to the to the to the uh, the fandom around Half Life. That's another key piece. It's not some new title. You got a bunch of people that are already inside the the game hype. Oh yeah, the uh, you know with Half Life, the first Half Life, not just the game itself, but they built an engine that created like many other games like Counter Strike, Team Fortress multiplayer games and then the second half-life was even better than the first like story-wise and mechanics and the engine and then they had like these spin-offs with like episode one and two but they didn't finish it with three and they also didn't have half-life three obviously it's not out so it's been a lot of fans are just waiting they're waiting for the next half-life and this you know this is a big one since it's it's a dedicated. This could whole satiate game. their appetite. Yeah, absolutely. The group that's sitting there waiting. Here's a quote from the article. Of course, the problem here is that we are still battling years worth of antiquated public understanding of where the tech currently sits. You still hear the same old tired arguments about why VR isn't ready, yet the industry has solved a substantial bloat of issues, both in terms of hardware friction and how we interface and interact with VR itself. Now, the other piece of this conversation is around valve right because mm -hmm. they're going to be putting up their own hardware yeah the valve index which is a vr headset so now they're jumping into the hardware mix with a vr headset vr control as well 
and you've, you've got Oculus in the space. Of course, HTC is there. So there's investment taking place. You have the software, you have the high profile title, you have the new hardware. Could, is this the moment, Will? Is VR finally about to break into the mainstream? I think it could hit critical mass, you know? Will he do? Um, this, this might be the game. To this do is it. it. Yeah. Wow. So um, we're going to have a so. bunch of people fully absorbed. Like oh, yeah. You don't leave. On it, the couch. It's, it's just eating. Just to, you're just stopping to eat. Because I'm telling you, I watched a trailer. Mm. Woo-hoo! There, you're, people are, you're having a time in this game. You're, you're, if, if you're trying to escape reality for a minute, oh, baby. You imagine this trailer in VR? Mm. It's incredible. Look at this. The graphics, the whole package deal. When this guy throws the thing, imagine in VR with the headset and, oh, the, yeah. and the surround emulation. And you're looking around. One question I have, are you sitting down? Are you standing up? I'm so, I have questions. I'm curious. Yeah, they didn't really show anything. Um, usually you have like a space, like uh, a couple feet here and there, and then you can move within that virtual space, but uh, they didn't show anything here. So I think maybe Kirk said you can move with joysticks. Right. Just navigate the world. Well, either way, this is coming out. It's not coming out for a bit, so I'm sure we're going to see more indications leading up to the eventual release of, well, we're going to probably see more gameplay potentially. Yeah. Uh, but if this is that moment, which it could be. You have to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a you shot. Know? It might be that moment. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. So reach out. I got to get in this headset. I'll do it live on here. <laughs> give me the stuff. Give me the stuff. I'll get in. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things. All right. No, it does seem like a really cool experience. It, it, looks, it looks exciting for sure. And you guys, you know, here's the thing. Allow me to say one more thing. You guys were telling me, because I didn't play Half-Life, it is traditional in the sense that it's a storyline with a beginning and an end, and I'm not online for the next three years mm -hmm. upgrading, and I just play the story, which is what I grew up doing. Yeah. That is exciting to me. I just I set aside the time and I have the experience. That's a lot more likely for me than getting embedded in the whole daily yearly routine of gaming in 2019 where so, so many uh popular titles daily updates are just you're expected to participate over such a long period of time. I played all those uncharted games for example. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's a simple premise. It you're, you're you're like watching a movie. I love that stuff. Know? Yeah, I love that stuff. But when you get into the multiplayer and there's no beginning and end, when do you put it down? All of a sudden exactly. you're addicted. Yeah. All of a sudden you you're not eating lunch anymore. No. All of a sudden your family left. Yeah. You're sitting in the dark with not. I don't know, man. It's it, it yeah. can happen. It's easy. Oh, remember yesterday or two days ago we were talking about. People saying please to Alexa or to voice assistants in general. It was a weird, it was just a weird philosophical conversation about how polite you should be to your AI, whether it's Alexa or Google Assistant or Siri or whatever. Then I see this article today Alexa can now sound excited or disappointed. So 
they've been working to give more humanness to the voice of Alexa. And it's making me reconsider the, the, the clip from yesterday because the more human this thing starts to sound, the more I, I, the more I consider the way I sound back. Yeah. The more robotic it sounds, the less uh, sensitivity that's triggered inside of me interacting with it. So let me just give you a little, I'm gonna give you a little playback here, okay? This is Alexa Emotions High Excited. That's what this is called, okay? Look at this. I'm playing a single hand in what looks like a losing game. I'm playing a single hand in what looks like a losing game. Okay. Now, Alexa, disappointed. Like a losing game. I'm playing a single hand in what looks like a losing game. Now imagine you're rude to Alexa and then she comes with that. Okay, fine. Ah! I would have to feel bad. Okay, fine. You know? Yeah, it's hard, man. It's crazy. It's getting it's getting pretty good. Now there's a couple of other styles in here. There's a new speaking style for reading the news. So the sort of more typical update that you would get from Alexa. I'll play for you the old one. Standard San Francisco's $2.2 billion Grand Central Terminal open, spanning three city blocks. San Francisco's $2 billion... That's what you're used to. As it stands today, your experience with assistance, it's kind of robotic like that. Now, here is your more natural speaking style. San Francisco's $2.2 billion Grand Central Terminal open, spanning three city blocks. San Francisco's $2 billion transit terminal is open after nearly a decade under construction. Is she so, going higher in pitch? Yeah, so that's the difference, is it has to find those various frequencies, the intonation, it has to go to those human places, yeah. or at least mimic those human places, to convince you. It's not as good as the excited thing from earlier, right? but it is more convincing than the strictly monotone robotic thing that we're all used to. So you start to get into, like I said, the weird uh, philosophical space of the more human these become, the more human you have to treat them. And that's a weird, curious way to go. Yeah, it can be a dangerous slope. How do you feel about this? Well, what I'm saying is, let's say our relationships with the, these AI, this AI, becomes more advanced and more significant. Let's say they get so good, they always say the right thing to you. You speak to them when you're upset. Uh, it's interchangeable with the way a human would converse, except they know you very well. They're constantly, there's no friction. Hmm. It's, it could, much like we reach for our smartphones instead of our actual daily lives, you could reach for these AI as opposed to humans who are imperfect. Yes. Humans who have issues and don't and, and are mad at you or are sensitive or you're nervous to talk to. Yeah. You just go straight to the AI, just like you reach for your phone or your video game or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just become an assistant. It uh, becomes like a therapist it, or a friend. 
Yeah, I was going to say beyond a therapist, like a I was going friend. to say it becomes your core set of relationships. Yeah. You could have 17 AI in your house. You have, depending on what mood you're in, you have a different conversation with a different one. And so long as you can trick your human mind into believing it's meaningful, you can sort of uh, subsidize your lack of true human interaction. Yes. Now, these are not paired with any kind of a physical creature, but presumably that would be the next phase of it. But I don't even necessarily think you need it because you're always ranting and raving yourself about the movie Her. I was just going to say. Every day. Well, I mean, you come in. <laughs> I Spike come Jones. In Spike Jones, Spike Lee. How you got two spikes? I get two spikes in the same in the same business. Both great directors. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of wild. Way to go. Well, you should. Uh, you uh, you if should, you've got you uh, got to name your kid Spike, he goes straight to the top. Yeah. He wants to. You want to. You want to have a filmmaker. You just name him Spike. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, this first one. I mean, the one where she sat, it really got to me. Uh, it, it 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 hit inside the the thing where you don't. I don't want you to be sad though. I'm playing a single hand in what looks like a losing game. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm playing a single hand in what looks like a losing game. I mean, we're human. We're human. You can't... There's empathy. You can't... The source doesn't... This opens up a whole different conversation about manipulation as well. Right. I think the uh, news uh, speaking is pretty, pretty good, in a sense that it's there's not much empathy there. You don't mm. really feel for her. She's just delivering, right? In, in like not in a non-robotic way. But the thing is, well, we're just at the this, we're at the infancy right now. Yes, we're, we're sitting here. You and I, we're sitting here, 2019. This has a. You imagine where this is gonna go. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the future here. Early stuff. This is going to get a hundred times more powerful, a thousand times more powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to worry about you. Me? Yeah, I'm going to have to worry about you. <laughs> I'll be like, Will, you talk, you talk to AI again? Like, no. What? <laughs> I was trying to catch you. Like, he's listening. I'm like, Will, what'd you do? What did you do yesterday? Oh, nothing. You talking to AI again? Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's what people need. Maybe it's inevitable. Maybe oh, it's... that's so scary. Maybe it's the way that it goes. Maybe it's the progression. Maybe uh, my AI talks to your AI. We we turn into the to the stereotypical alien. The, the, the mouth seals shut. You don't need it anymore. Oh. I don't know what happens, Will. That's kind of dark, though. I'm going to take a more positive approach. Okay. Which is, it's going to continue to enhance human existence and enrich human existence. And we're going to showcase tremendous discipline in how we engage with this technology. Yeah, that's so. what we're going to do. Yeah. In 2019 and beyond.